On our last broadcast, we were looking at the joy that we long for as Christians during the holiday season. One final look as we move out of 2012 and into 2013. Graceful Truth is next. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Now, last week, we were celebrating Christmas with a mini-series simply entitled Joy. All I want for Christmas is joy. And we're looking at Isaiah chapter 61 as well as Luke chapter 2. And today, we want to take a look at Galatians chapter 4 and Philippians chapter 4, understanding what this joy is and how it is that you and I can experience this joy during the holiday season. With this edition of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Well, the second thing here says it's good news of great joy. Great joy. That word great, by the way, is, is megas in the Greek. I mean, think about it. You know, you're going through the McDonald's drive-thru and you order your number two, you know, quarter pounder with cheese and a Coke and fries. And you're all thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe the pastor eats that. Well, I have it once in a while. I should probably have it less often, but I do. But what do they say? Do you want to supersize that, right? Do you want that big? What do you want? Small, large, medium, whatever. And you can pick whatever size you want. Well, the idea of this word is mega joy. It's supersized cheerfulness. It's over-the-top hilarity. The good news is exceedingly and abundantly exciting because God is bringing about a solution to our sin problem that otherwise we couldn't deal with. And they went in the, the midst of a sentence here from great terror, horrific terror, to great giant joy. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 15, Paul says this. He asks this penetrating question of the Galatians. He says, what has happened to all your joy? What has happened to your joy? You know, that's a question that needs to be asked of the church today. What has happened to our joy? What has happened to my joy? What has happened to your joy? You know, is this it? You just grow old and die? Is that it? I don't think that's what God's plan is for us. I want you to understand here today, as long as you're able to breathe your next breath, God has a purpose for you here. It's not just to grow old and watch the world go by. God has a calling for you, but are you willing to listen? What happened to that joy? Billy Sunday once said this, the trouble with many men is that they have got just enough religion to make them miserable. <laughs> And then he said this, if there is not joy in your religion, you've got a leak in your religion. Pastor once said to Groucho Marx, Mr. Marx, I want to thank you for bringing so much joy into the world. To which Groucho replied, I want to thank you for taking so much out. See, we tend to equate happiness with joy. And they're just two totally different ideas because they spring from different sources. One comes from the world around us. 
You know, we're, we're happy because our happenings, what goes on around us, our circumstances are such that, that pleases us. Happiness is conditional. And it's based on and dependent upon what is happening to us. If people treat me nice, if things are going well, if the checkbook balances, then I'm going to be happy. But if my circumstances aren't that favorable, then what happens? Then I'm unhappy. How are you doing today? Oh, just things aren't going well. See, joy on the other hand, beloved, and you have to understand this, joy on the other hand, it basically runs throughout Scripture as a profound, compelling quality of life that transcends the delights and the disasters that sometimes just dog God's people. Joy is a divine dimension of living that is not shackled by circumstances. The Hebrew word means this, to leap or spin around with pleasure. Now, I'm not one to dance, okay? I just never have. I mean, at our wedding, at our, at our rehearsal, I, I was sweating bullets because I'm thinking, how can I get out of doing this dancing stuff because I just don't dance. Nothing against it. I just don't do it. And my wife's from Trinidad, and that's all they do is dance. So I thought, you know, somehow I've got to put up an ironclad thing that I will not be dancing at our wedding or at the reception or any time around that. And the way I did it was we hired a harpist <laughs> at our reception. That's all. And I thought, you know what? That's safe. Who dances to a harpist? My one brother, Jim, who was single at the time, did try to figure out some moves. You know, he used to think he was John Travolta or something to something the harpist was playing. But other than that, nobody danced including me. But this word means to leap or spin around with pleasure. You know, there's nothing wrong with being excited that you're a Christian. There's nothing wrong with being excited to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, that word refers to gladness, to bliss, to celebration. See, it's this time of the year, beloved, that, yeah, the world makes a mockery of Christmas. Yeah, it's over-commercialized. Yeah, all that garbage is going on out there. But you know what? Praise God that you can turn that around. That you can walk into a restaurant and say, you know what, Merry Christmas. Or a store. Wherever. And really be a positive, joyful testimony for Christ. That's hard in our happy holidays culture. People are busy, shoppers are stressed, families are fractured. And joy seems so elusive. But friends, no matter how broke or how busy you are this time of the year, you can be joyful. And you can be joyful because it's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice. Look over at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We know this verse. We probably memorized it. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul writes. And then he says, I will again say rejoice. Just a couple choices that we can make that help us have that joy in our heart. First of all, recognize God as being joyful. Recognize God as being joyful. We can be helped greatly in our journey towards joy if we learn that the Almighty God is not some taskmaster up there in heaven with a whip cracking it every time we do something wrong. God is holy, yes. But God is also the God of the universe with a smile on his face. 
And it says that they have a party in heaven whenever a sinner repents and turns to Christ. In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, it says this. It, it tells us how God feels about us. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you know that God rejoices over you with singing? I mean, God delights in us. God delights in you. He delights in me. He breaks out into song when even he thinks of us. And that's all the time. I love how one translation puts that. It says, is that a joyous choir I hear? No. It's the Lord himself exalting over you in happy, happy song. You know, that's what our God thinks of us. He's filled with joy. Luke 10.21 says that Jesus was full of joy. Some of us don't view Jesus as joyful. But he was. So recognize God as being joyful. Secondly, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It seems kind of a no-brainer. But you know what? If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot really experience real lasting joy. It's just impossible. You say, well, what are you talking about? If you look at Acts chapter 16, verse 34. Remember the Philippian jailer. Acts 16, verse 34 it says, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. Not only just him, but his whole family. When you come to Christ, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know even how it happens. But somehow God infuses you with a divine joy. So I ask you, is joy what you really want this Christmas? If so, you have to come through the cross. You have to go to Christ. You have to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Recognize your own sinfulness before a holy God and cry out to him for mercy. Christ was born in Bethlehem. That's true. But the Bible says that he must be born in you. You must be born again. Corey Tenboom once said this, If Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. That's true. It's easy to get all sentimental during this time of the year. But don't substitute sentimentality for salvation. And the last thing here that you can choose joy is not only recognize God as joyful, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but remain close to Jesus. Psalm 1611, David writes about the source of his delight. He says this in 1611 Psalm. He said, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Even Jesus in the New Testament in John 15 said this. He said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do you think God was a little interested in our joy? Yes, he was. 
As believers, we need to make sure that we're abiding in Christ. Don't get off on your own deal. Don't go do your own thing. Make sure that what you're doing is what Christ wants you to do, what God wants you to do. You say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, start with the book. You know, there's some basic commands in there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Start there if you don't know where else to start. You can't do either one of those without God's assistance. But remain close to Jesus. And then this message is thirdly a global message. He says there it's great news, it's of great joy, but it's also for all people. That's what the angel said. This, this mega message that was intended for these shepherds wasn't just for one group of people, but it was for the entire world. God's good news of great joy is for all people. It's the joy to the world that we sing about. That's why we support missionaries that go into foreign lands and share the gospel with those who have yet to hear because we want that joy, that gospel to be spread. One of the best ways, if you're one that's prone to depression, one of the best ways to build your, your joy tank in your life is by talking to others about Christ. Just start talking to people about Jesus. Talk to others about what he has done in your life. How he saved you. What impact he's had on you. Philemon verse 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. How are you going to understand every good thing we have in Christ? By sharing your faith. Well, I'm kind of timid. I don't, I don't, that's okay. God created you that way. You don't think he knows that? There's ways that you can share your faith. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to go get a 20-pound King James Bible and stand on the corner. You know, there, there's ways that you can share Christ with people. But it focuses on when they come to Christ, that joy. Luke 15 is an example. It records how much rejoicing takes place when one sinner is saved, when one lost person is found. It speaks of the lost sheep is recovered there in, in Luke 15, verse 5. And the owner says, joyfully, he puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together. And he declares in verse 6, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. I mean, God is a joyful God, beloved. Don't think he's some scrooge up in heaven just waiting to ruin your life, take all the fun out. That's not what our God is about. Jesus reminds us even in John 436, that we can be filled with joy, we can be filled with delight when we participate with him in the process of evangelism. He says in John 436, even now the reaper draws his wages, even now he harvests for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad, it says together. An atheist once made this remark to some Christians. If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, then you've got to look a lot more redeemed. Wow. If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, then you, you better look a lot more redeemed because what I'm seeing <laughs> doesn't motivate me to budge at all. If we're going to be having an impact on people's lives this time of year, beloved, we have to be filled with joy. Psalm 104. 7 verse 22 says, Let them tell of his works with songs of joy. So how's your joy tank this morning? And the last thing here, 
this is granted to us, it says. The proclamation is very personal. It says, a Savior has been born to what? To you. See, Christians must come to a point in time where they personally confess the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not good enough to go to church. It's not good enough to pray over your food. It's not good enough to pray when you're in trouble. That's not what God's interested in. God's interested in you. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. The Savior can never save you until you cry out, you know what, Christ came for me. And he died in my place as my sin substitute. I accept him into my life and I surrender to his lordship. Does that mean you're not in control anymore? Yeah, that's basically what that means. And that may be an issue for you. But you know what? I've learned over the years, beloved, I'd much rather have God in control of my life than me. And you can talk to person after person after person who's made that change and they will answer in the affirmative to that. I've never met a Christian who's come to Christ, who's had their sins forgiven, who's had their life transformed, their life changed. They're not just professing Christ. They're actually saved. They're born again. God has transformed them from darkness into light. I've never had one of those people come back to me and say, you know what, I want my money back. I don't like this Christian thing anymore. I've heard a lot of legalistic people, a lot of people that profess Christ, a lot of people that go to church, a lot of people that are religious end up in that, that pile, but not a truly born-again Christian. This next phrase in Luke chapter 11 reads, The Savior has been born to you, Savior, Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. God gave joy to the shepherds in four ways. God, gave, God came to them where they were. That's important. He didn't call them in from the hillside. He went out to them. God came to them as they were. I mean, shepherds usually, you know, they're around animals. They, because you're around animals, animals tend to drop things on the ground. At night, you tend to walk in it. Okay, they don't smell good. Shepherds just didn't smell good. They were the downcast of society, covered with manure. Well, God came not only where they were, but he came to them as they were. He didn't yell up to them on the hillside, hey, I, I'm going to send some angels down there. You guys might want to go take a bath so you're all ready. God moved them from where they were. And lastly, God changed them from what they were. See, it's a work of God in your life. It's not something that you can do. It's not something that you have to do. And so the Messiah is announced. Remember that little card? This is just to say, a special gift is on the way. Well, 30 years from that announcement to the shepherds, there's a scene in the synagogue. And if you turn over to Luke chapter 4, I'll close with this reading. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. Jesus gets up to read the scripture. It's 30-some years after this announcement that we just read about by the angel. And do you know what he reads? He opens up the scroll to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61 written 700 years earlier. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me 
designating him as the Messiah, to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, the gift that was on the way arrived. Jesus is the one who is the only way. The only way to have joy in your life, beloved, is simply this. To understand who Christ is. Jesus, others, and then you. That's the priority. That's what will give you a true sense of joy. If you mess up the order, you mess up that word joy. And so many times we do that, but that's where the grace of God comes in. Into the night shines that light, and out of your fright you realize you're going to be all right. Good news of great joy with a global message that is granted to you personally, and that gift has arrived. Spurgeon said this, Rejoice, you who feel that you are lost. Your Savior comes to seek and save you. Be of good cheer, you who are in prison, for he comes to set you free. You who are famished and ready to die, rejoice that he has consecrated for you a Bethlehem, a house of bread. He has come to be the bread of life to your souls. Rejoice, O sinners everywhere, for the restorer of the castaways, the savior of the fallen, is born. Join in the joy, ye saints, for he is the preserver of the saved ones, delivering them from the innumerable perils, and he is the sure perfecter of such as he preserves. Jesus is no partial savior, Spurgeon says, beginning a work and not concluding it, but restoring and upholding, he also perfects and he presents the saved ones without spot or wrinkle or any such thing before his father's throne. Rejoice aloud, all you people. Let your hills and your valleys ring with joy for a savior who is mighty to save is born among you this day. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to have the kind of joy that we spoke about this morning through Christ. Lord, we know that we're not talking just about some lighthearted happiness, that that is limited to our circumstances. But Lord, we're talking about a deep-seated joy that's in the depth of our soul, and only that can come from you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for each heart here this morning. Lord, I pray that for those who have yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ, Lord, I ask that you would woo them, that you would draw them, that you would cause them to bend their knee to you, the Messiah, the chosen one, the only one that can save them from their sin. For us Christians, Lord, we pray that we would be bold this time of year, that we wouldn't get caught up in all the, the negative aspects of this Christmas time, but Lord, that we would use it for our advantage. Lord, that strategically we would reach out to people and bring them back to the real reason for this season, that being Christ, our Savior, our Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And that will bring us to the end of our time together today here on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our final look at our mini-series simply entitled Joy. All I want for Christmas is joy. We've spent some time in Galatians, Philippians, as well as John, the Psalms, Luke, Philemon. There's an awful lot in God's Word that tells us about this joy as we've seen today. And, of course, the key to it all is thinking of Jesus first, others second, you last, J-O-Y. There's your secret to joy during this holiday season. Well, as we come to the end of the year 2012 and look forward to the year 2013, we'd like to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to stay here on KFAX in part as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully to continue the ministry here on KFAX. If you're blessed by our week-by-week time together in God's Word, would you take a quick moment and let us know? That would mean a great deal to us. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for praise and worship at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, as mentioned, especially at this time of year as we look forward to the year 2013, prayerfully, financially, please give us a call here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or better yet, visit us on our website, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. We trust you all have a blessed weekend. We'll see you in the year 2013. Have a great New Year's. Until next week, God bless.